0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts, and delivered by
0: Doordash with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. All right, that was incredibly disappointing. This is episode 31 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Cam Lewis. Tyler Remchuk is not here because he decided it would be an opportune time to go on a vacation. I guess he kind of knew that the Blue Jays were going to lay an egg against the Boston Red Sox. We were all very excited after they came out of the All-Star break and they kicked the piss out of the Texas Rangers, as they do. We were all really excited. We thought, okay, this is going to be... You know the Blue Jays going on a big run in the second half, 2015 kind of thing. But here we are now, and they lost two games to the Red Sox. I'm here with my good friend BK. How you doing? How's life? Well, enjoying things?
1: It was just you and me were coming off of that terrible Yankee series, so uh, yeah, we need Tyler. I think Tyler just abandoned. He knows when bad ominous signs are coming.
0: It's like every single time Tyler leaves me alone to do this by myself, which is a nightmare in itself. Like it's, it's going to be a disaster. I have to host the podcast. I have to read the advertisements. I don't know what's going on. I get confused. And then I bring you on the podcast We can chat about stuff. It's almost like Tyler knows that things are going to be bad and the bad things always happen. What went on this week? What happened? Why are the Red Sox good? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, very annoying. Um, And without Chris Sale, who is looking good in minor league starts as well. So, yeah, I don't understand the Red Sox. I guess, you know, silver lining here is uh, the one game got rained out and was moved to Toronto. So they get an extra legitimate home game out of it. But yeah, just an ugly series all around.
0: That's like probably the only positive I have from this week. So we're going to do three up three down brought to you by twig and berries as always, as Tyler always says, the promo code nation 15 will get you 15% off. Whatever things you buy from twig and berries, I got sweaters and shirts and underwear and socks and this and that all kinds of goodies. If you want to go ahead and buy something, use the promo code and save yourself some cash three up three down in the up categories I have written here in all caps, nothing. The only thing I'm excited about is the fact they didn't play that second game. And now, as you said, they have a home game in Toronto in August, which is kind of nice. It's, the Red Sox will be the, you know, the bottom of the inning team, so they're technically the home team. But it's at the Rogers Centre, which is a positive. And hopefully by that point, the doubleheader will be started by, you know, Max Scherzer or Jose Barrios or somebody like that. Maybe that's, maybe that's something we can look forward to. But
1: That's the dream. Yeah, let's make that happen.
0: Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. But, boy. Anyway, so we're going to jump then into the downs. And the first down is, I guess, largely the first game as a whole in which the Red Sox exploded for eight runs in the first inning. Ross Stripling only got one out, one out, and allowed six earned runs. What 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 happened with Ross Stripling at this? start? He had been so good before that. It's like he had really turned a corner and he'd become kind of the mid-rotation guy that Toronto thought he was going to be.
1: Yeah, he was throwing 91 and not where he wanted it to go. And when you do that, a good offense is going to smack the ball around. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, disappointing start from Stripling. It's not like you panic and think all of a sudden he's not worthy of a, a spot in the rotation, but it makes you question exactly how the rotation looks moving forward and the potential that, um, you know, maybe what was a nice little run and a nice little streak from Ross is potentially worrisome and maybe another reason to chase a starter at the deadline, um, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, but uh, yeah, I mean the pitching wasn't good every once in a while. It's not terrible to just get crushed in a game because you don't have that emotional attachment to it where you like feel this terrible defeat as the game slips away in the ninth inning. This one was (laughs) over and you got to just kind of appreciate that. Um, But at the same time, the pitchers didn't go deep at all and you ended up using the entire pen and, and uh yeah just an ugly game and it reminded me of the Jays game at Fenway where it went the other way and the Jays just rocked rocked the Red Sox and uh yeah the vibes were great after that one and then immediately the next day they come out and drop a heartbreaker so it's kind of hoping it'd be a role reversal this series the Jays would come out and win today and and despite the ugly score the other day it would have been a series split but obviously that's not what happened
0: it's actually very true what you said is I think I'd rather watch the Jays go ahead and allow, you know, eight runs in the first 13 runs all told, lose 13 to 4 as they did on Monday, than I would watch them do one of those bullpen meltdowns, one of those Raphael Dolis comes in and walks three guys. Tyler Chatwood walks 17 guys. You know, one of those things where they blow a two run
1: lead in the eighth inning. Even I would this, much
0: much rather just this, get it over it with.
1: Kind of felt more gross than than Monday's game did. This was just a crappy game where they kind of fought back and then give it up again and don't get any hits off Garrett Richards when he's been struggling lately. Like this, yeah, this one was just more annoying than the straight blowout.
0: Oh, that's no, 100% sure. And that's what I was going to mention in one of my other downs was like, I didn't even know how to quantify the second game of the series. The Wednesday game, the Jays lost seven to four. It was a whole bunch of home runs, extra base hits. It's like every time Boston put the bat on the ball, it was, you know, hit for power It was out of the park. It was in the gap. It was, it was insane. It was weird because, and then, and then the, you know, the Jays kept on coming back too. like George Springer hits that huge dinger. And you're like, Oh wow, they're clawing back. This is going to be sweet. Boston's bullpen. Isn't that good, right? Like they should be able to claw back and then the Red Sox just kept scoring runs. So there isn't really a tangible down here. It's kind of just that general second game. Robbie Ray got lit up for the first time in quite some time he went, it was Five innings, five hits, four runs, one walk, four strikeouts, three home runs allowed, which is, I think, the most he's allowed in a start this year. Oh, there was one against the Phillies earlier this year in which he allowed three. But this is the first time Stripling has put together a start that wasn't a quality start since June 18th against the Orioles, where he allowed two earned runs over four and a third. Is there anything to worry about with Robbie Ray, or is it just the Red Sox cheating?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the Red Sox absolutely cheat. We'll figure it out. We're coming. Alex Cora is their manager. They clearly cheat. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes a good pitcher has a tough day. I don't think there's anything tangible that felt like wrong with Robbie Ray. There wasn't a velocity issue. I don't think there's a movement issue. You'd have to look into some of the pitch pitch metrics from the game, but um, yeah, just one of those lousy days and also one of those lousy days where they happen and you kind of hope that your offense can bail you out from it, which obviously didn't happen. Um, but yeah, just a uh, unfortunate note after such a hot streak that he was on there.
0: So yeah, that's kind of the weird thing for me is, um, I know we, 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 we kind of do like the, the whole Red Sox cheating thing. It's kind of a joke, like, ah, ha, ha, like the Red Sox must be cheating. They shouldn't be this good, but they had nine hits today and eight of them were for extra bases. You know, there was three doubles, Bobby Delbeck, Kike Hernandez, um, JD Martinez, and there was all the home runs. And it's like, you, you never see that. Like what is happening here? What are the Red Sox doing? Like, what have they done? What is Alex Cora doing?
1: Well, and with Toronto too, they were they were just sitting high heater, like they were just ready for the high fastball, um, and they got burned by it. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it just you know, all of it feels like one of those things that happens. Um, you know, uh, the Red Sox man, it's just annoying. They shouldn't be good. They shouldn't have been allowed to be terrible last year, where they get this little like sixty day. 60-game vacation to get a really nice draft pick in a year nobody cares about, and then come back and they're just good again. None of it's fair. It, it sucks. Stupid no, it Red not a... We're not supposed to be in play this year. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating. I, like they got a good offense, right? Like the Jays obviously an elite offense. Red Sox have very very good hitters um, and hitters who are hot right now too. Um, like Hernandez batting leadoff. Um, total numbers for the year aren't great, but he's been, he's been really fantastic lately. Um, and he, he's he off on lefties and they've got these kind of situational guys, Hunter Renfro, you know, he he hits lefties hard too. Um, they, they've got a nice little roster. It's not as good as the Blue Jays. And, uh, today's one of those days where you would have liked to have seen them put up more runs than they did, uh, to back up their ace who, you know, was having a, a bit of an off day.
0: I'm going to touch on one more of the... Unfortunate things from the series, from the Blue Jays' perspective, before we talk about one more Red Sox-related thing, one more thing I need to whine about, which is, um, yeah, from a Blue Jays' perspective, one more down is Anthony Kay. He came into the game after stripling. He's kind of been used as the Blue Jays' long guy. There was some talk about him potentially getting a spot start. He went one and one-thirds, allowed five hits, three walks, struck out only one, and allowed five earned runs. And after the game, he was sent back down to triple-A. What what are we thinking about Anthony K at this point? I think we can probably close the door on him being a big league starter. I don't know if anybody still really thought that was a thing that was going to happen. At this point, it probably looks like the best case scenario here for him is, is as a reliever, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, at the very least, you know, he's not in the plans for the Jays as a starter this season, unless it's an emergency role. Um, a Really disappointing year from Anthony Kaye. He He's got two things that he fights. He fights... Command. He walks a lot of guys and has really long um, uh, at bats where he just struggles to put guys away. Two guys will fight. Like he finds himself in three two counts all the time. And he finds himself in nine pitch at bats all the time. And he just can't put the guys away. He tends to get wild and walk guys. This is not a good combination. There's a role here for him as a long reliever. And he, he hasn't been able to get it done for the most part. He's had a couple like moments where you're like, okay, like there's maybe something there. Um, but for the most part, it's been mostly disappointment. And, and uh, you know, I I know you see his brother occasionally on, on Twitter chiming in on his usage and how the team's using him and as if they don't have a plan or something like that. But ultimately, like he needs to perform. He knows when he's up in the bullpen, he knows his role is to get out, whether it's a long relief appearance, whether it's a short relief appearance, if he's having long at-bats and not showing well, he's not going to continue to get those opportunities. And that's what happened and deservedly he got sent down. And hopefully he can figure it out there and potentially a useful piece still. But uh, yeah, a discouraging year it's been for Anthony Kay.
0: Yeah, it has been unfortunate. It's one of those guys where you kind of thought like, okay, like, you know, maybe this guy doesn't hack as a starter that's fine. Like, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Ryan Baraki, we all wanted to be a starter. It didn't happen. He's, you know, found a home in the bullpen. He's become quite good. But Anthony Kay this year, he's been back there largely all year. He's made a few spot starts. Now he's kind of in a confusing role. It's, you know, sometimes he's multiple innings, sometimes he's not. And it just seems, you know, every time he comes out, it's a bit, like you said, like full counts, walking guys, struggles with commands. He just struggles to get out so that's the third down there from twig and berries and there's one thing i also wanted to bring up is the red sox as we know are kind of running away with the american league east here they are quite a few games up on the jays right now and by this point you know it's almost august and we've been calling them frauds all year I really am not sure if we can continue calling them frauds i mean they're doing well and the weakness of this team should be like you said like We all know boston's offense is going to be pretty good you have bogarts devers jd martinez that's a that's a huge big three to have in the middle of your lineup and we thought okay the weakness here is going to be the pitching is going to be mediocre the starting pitching is kind of bled the bullpen is not that great either but now they've got chris sale coming back and chris sale is someone we've kind of forgotten about it was like okay this guy got injured he's been out for quite some time he's a bit older his arms kind of fallen off maybe his career is over well no that doesn't seem to be the case. Because he just made a start in Double A, in which he went three and two thirds, struck out six guys, didn't allow a hit, only allowed one walk. So that's kind of like your amazing trade deadline acquisition, right? The Red Sox are getting Chris Sale. That's just another boost for this team.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating um, because, yeah, I mean, the frauds thing, I I love to say it, but it's really (laughs) just feel better. Don't necessarily fully believe it or fully buy it. But look, if you ask me from like today, rest of season, I would say I would pick the Blue Jays to win more games. But at a certain point, the amount of games they have in front of them in the division to date becomes kind of insurmountable unless you go on some like just insane run where you're winning um, at like a 750 clip, right? So um, unfortunately, the lead is so big in the division that it doesn't matter if the Blue Jays are a better team. Bridging that gap is going to be incredibly challenging. So I mean, likely the team is in is playing for a wild card spot, and that's very much in play. Um, they're four and a half back right now, but uh, I mean, I you know another, another team I think they're better than Oakland, but at least you know that that lead of four and a half isn't quite as extreme as what they're staring down with the Red Sox. So um, yeah, I mean, the team has shot themselves in the foot a little bit by just not winning some winnable games and not being able to put together a better run. And and this stuff happens, and off games happen, but uh, but yeah, I mean, losing two in a row to the red Sox, and a little what ended up being a two game series really hurts when you have that kind of division outlook and uh, something you're looking at because now you're once again eight games back
0: yeah depressing stuff i think <laughs> i think everyone kind of echoes the same sentiments the expectations were higher but here we are so i guess now let's move along and talk about some other random stuff that's kind of happened throughout the week tj Zoick was the most recent guy to be designated for assignment. He came off the 40-man in, in order to make space for Alejandro Kirk, who came back from the 60-day injured list, which we'll touch on in two seconds. It was kind of surprising to see. Uh, was it? I don't know if it's actually surprising. I, I thought there might be a bit of a longer leash for Zoic this year that we saw him earlier on in the season. And then he kind of was bad and got stashed in triple and never came back. but. Are you surprised that TJ Zoic was the guy that got DFA'd here? There was also Joel Pam's who got DFA'd right before that. He was uh, DFA'd in order to make room for Ryan Baraki. and then since then he got traded to Kansas City for some cash. Are we? Are you? Are you? You know, surprised at all to see Zoic like DFA'd like that at all?
1: I actually wasn't. At a certain point, you know what you have in Zoic. and he just like he doesn't strike out anybody, and that's such an important trait in modern baseball. That's what teams value. Um, and he gives up hard contact, right? So I I think he's too volatile of a guy to ever expect to be in the rotation and maybe he survives as your seventh-rate starter. But when your seventh-rate starter is to the point where they're out of options or one year away from being out of options, um, when tough roster choices have to be made, those are the types of guys you end up cutting loose. So um, I'm sure the team would have been fine to just carry him in the AAA rotation for longer but it shows they didn't really have any faith in using him again this year. Um, so no, it, it wasn't surprising if, if he showed more, like, he, yeah, if he, if he showed more ability, if he showed more ability to miss bats, velocity, whatever it is where he was getting results in a better way, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what he needs to do. That's how he would be successful in baseball and it just hasn't worked out. And, it, you know, a, a tough 40-man roster situation then results in, in things like this happening.
0: Look, TJ Zoic, the 21st overall pick by the Blue Jays from the 2016 draft. This season, he pitched in the majors five different appearances, three of which were starts. I uh, I think all of those were starts, but some of them had openers, and he pitched 15 innings, allowed 11 earned runs. He walked more guys than he struck out, which you don't like to see. And then down in A, he pitched 58 innings, nine starts, 12 games total. Uh, he pitched a little bit as a reliever down in A as well, put up a 403 ERA, not terrible. But then again, it's the whole thing was the 6.5 strikeouts per night. And it's kind of funny because remember last year they were talking, the Jays were at the alternate training site last year. And one of the things that Ross Atkins raved about specifically was how TJ Zoic went and increased his velocity and his work at the alt site was amazing. So...
1: He's doing some yes. of that four-seamer stuff that everybody loves to do, throwing up in the zone. But uh, yeah, just just not good enough. That that draft year, I tell you what, like he was just one of those kind of low ceiling, you know, uh, high floor guys in the draft. Just a a college arm that you figured you'd develop to be a number four starter. He just never reached that point. That's also the Boba Shed draft. It is,
0: and Kevin as well.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit above slot, uh, you know, in, in the second round. So. Um, all in all, that draft was a win, but yeah, it was a bit of a whiff on the first round pick. Although, you know what, a 21st pick in baseball is no guarantee anyways. No. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, you know, I, I don't love super safe picks in the first round and it definitely felt like that and kind of how it played out, right?
0: Speaking of this draft, it also has in the 15th round, one of your favorites, uh, Josh Winkowski, who was traded for yeah. the Mets in the Stephen Matz trade. So that's another future star from
1: the 26th of, of course, he's now a Red Sox. So uh, yes, he that's will be- really-
0: Oh, he's Absolutely. gonna he's gonna come around and bite them. You just know for it.
1: Sure. Um I, yeah, just watching some minor league baseball this year. Uh, he's faced the Jays a few times. He's looked all right. I'm curious to see what happens with him. But uh but yeah, yeah, it was a good draft. All in all, it was a good draft. You get can't one complain. out of it, can't complain. Um, but uh, but yeah, TJ Zoic, the era's over, and uh I don't have to remember how to pronounce his name now. One of those names where I know how to pronounce it, but I don't hear it for three months, and then I'm like Zook. Uh, yeah,
0: when you read it, that's how it reads in your head. Hey, like yeah. when you when you see the letters, you're like, "Oh, it's pronounced Zook."
1: Zook. It's not. Yeah. Which, I mean, it sounds better too. So I. Uh, Zook
0: sounds super cool.
1: That's where you went wrong.
0: <laughs> so as I mentioned, TJ Zook DFA. That's a lot of talk about TJ Zook. I never expected to have that much to say about <laughs> TJ Zook, but.
1: That's on you putting together the plan here.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm looking at this and I'm like, "Why did I allocate so much time to talk about TJ Zook?" But here we are, <laughs> anyways former first round pick designated for assignment might get picked up might get traded somewhere for cash might not whatever that's life anyway so he came off the roster to make space for one aleandro kirk this time last year one of our biggest fan favorites everybody was super excited about this guy Everybody was raving about him it's like this guy's the answer he's going to come up it's going to become the main catcher he's going to hit everything it's going to be great and he did came up last year hit quite well In 2020, he played, I mean, this is a microscopic sample size. He played nine games, put up a 983 OPS. He hit that dinger. That was great. This year, he started off. He was a bit slow, and then, you know, it seemed like he was heating up, and then he got hurt, been on the IL for multiple months, and now he's down in AAA, and he's killing it. Like, just recently, I think it was Tuesday during the rainout, he had a four-for-five game. And it's like, how long can they keep this guy down? I mean, Danny Johnson today um, hit a single on the Red Sox, made a fuck up in the outfield and he ran over to second and appeared he hurt his leg or something like that. So maybe Danny yeah. Johnson's hurt, but.
1: Danny Johnson's a hamstring tightness, and it's the same one that caused him to go on the DL uh, or the IL uh, a few weeks back. So it's a recurrence of an injury, soft tissue. Um, It'd be pretty surprised to not see him end up on the injury list once again. Um, and almost certainly related Alejandro Kirk was pulled mid-game today as well um, probably as a precaution um, to keep him healthy uh, with the expectation that you're probably bringing him to New York to play the Mets on Friday so um, yeah I mean I, I think the decision was made for the Jays um, uh, you and I would have talked about wanting to have Kirk mm-hmm. on the roster anyways and Danny Jansen getting hurt um, likely makes that happen uh, as soon as our next game here.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like you said, like this question just answered itself. Like the Jays were in kind of a weird situation because Jansen has options, but Reese McGuire doesn't. And McGuire has been pretty decent recently. I mean, he obviously cooled off after his insane heater. He wasn't going to keep that up forever. It was a, you know, a big Babbitt fueled thing, but he's also out of options. You don't want to just throw him on waivers and lose him for nothing. Right
1: which may have been the outcome and maybe to get kirk on the roster that might have made sense but uh but yeah ultimately i mean if you got a situation where um you know you've got uh, an injury now it's good the injury happened before they went and made a hard decision with one of those guys Um, and now yeah the the pathway is set for kirk to probably get a lot of playing time Um, i I could see him getting uh, a majority of the starts or maybe you know kind of like five of nine starts like i think they'll split it pretty evenly but if he comes up hitting, um, yeah, he's going to get an opportunity to run with it. I would fully expect that.
0: Because they need that. I mean, it kind of seems fine to say because the strength of the team is the offense. But as we noticed, like, you know, these games, they only scored eight runs against the Red Sox. Like, uh, Wednesday night game, um, Garrett Richards is not very good. <laughs> he yeah. only scored, you know, they didn't, they didn't exactly tee off on him. I mean, they, they kind of did.
1: Yeah, the bottom of the lineup is not a strength Bad. of the team. Uh, you can always hit more, uh, be more productive, and having somebody you can hit at catcher. Incredibly valuable. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see him get a run. Um, maybe he's a trade ship uh, in the coming weeks. Maybe he's someone who uh, is just a, a really strong asset offensively for the team the remainder of the way. But, uh, yeah, he's probably a guy who deserves a, a shot in the major league level at this point.
0: He does. And like you said, the Blue Jays badly need some help down at the bottom of the order. And right now it kind of seems like six, seven, eight, and nine is kind of weak because Randall Grechuck has since cooled off after his really nice start of the season. Guriel all over the grid. Cabin Biggio, same thing. Kind of a nice little stretch after he came off the injured list. The catching position, Danny Jansen down there in the nine or Reese McGuire, whoever it is, largely been pretty bad. So it's really a half and half situation here. And you get Kirk and that stretches your lineup out quite a bit. And that brings me to one more thing actually is I've got a whole bunch of notes here, but so one more thing, Tyler and I have talked about this a bunch in the past and we're not really sure how it would work, but we both think it would be cool is Nelson Cruz has again, appeared in Toronto Blue Jays related rumors. They keep talking. The Blue Jays are interested in Nelson Cruz. How would that work? Where would they that put
1: growing on me. Yeah. I, I kind of didn't think much of it when that first, you know, came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it's just a case of you want to make your team better at the trade deadline. And this trade market is not great for what the Jays would really like to add, which is a controllable starting pitcher. Um, there just like, aren't great options out there. Atkins alluded to that in his uh, appearance today um, on Tim and friends. And uh, yeah, the thing is if there isn't a great market for what you need or you, you know, your expected need is, then you pivot to strengthening your team elsewhere. And even if it means strengthening a strength, um, that can still go a long way. So adding Nelson Cruz, obviously locks in the DH position. Given his age, I mean, yikes. That was a golf ball. I live on a golf course and a golf ball just hit my house.
0: That's incredible.
1: Holy. <laughs> oh,
0: that's a, <laughs> That's really something. Wow. Did it just drill a window? I thought it
1: didn't break a window. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, yeah, so Nelson Cruz, designated hitter, uh, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You, you, you play him maybe like five of six games, give him a rest day, cycle the outfielders through the DH spot, but, like, what are you doing? You're taking that bats away from Randall Kirchick, right? And you're taking a bats away from uh, Lourdes Gurriel, and uh, I think that works. And I don't think the cost would be all that high. He can only go to an AL team. Some AL teams have DHs locked in, like the Yankees with Stanton. Um, Red Sox with uh, JD Martinez, so his market isn't going to be huge. Um, Tampa Bay, like that's a team that makes a lot of sense for him, and don't let him go to Tampa Bay. So, get oh god, yeah, and make that trade.
0: Could you imagine him on Tampa Bay? How 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 bad that would be?
1: Oh, that'd be awful. And like, like oh. I, I don't want to say this, but like, pretty perfect fit for them, too, right? Oh no, like, it'd be 100 percent because it would
0: be as soon like, as they got him, you know, the first time we saw the Rays after that, it'd be like. A bunch of Jays fans have been like, No, you can't acquire Nelson Cruz. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit. This is not the player you want. And then he's yeah. on the Rays and he would hit four home runs against the Jays in his first game would be a nightmare. But yeah, it 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 does make some sense because everyone's like, Oh, you need uh you need the DH spot open for Guriel or Brichuk, or somebody like that. But these guys have seven fifty-six and seven fifteen OPSs right now.
1: They are be the second from best hitter on the team. So you're you're bringing in a, like an all-time great th bat, but somebody who numbers-wise this year, regardless of his age, is behind only Vladdy in offensive production. You're bringing in somebody who's hitting better than Marcus Semien, somebody who's hitting better than um Yeah, you can find room for that guy, and if you happen to make the playoffs, where you're starting the same roster, the same lineup, pretty much every game. You now have your what number four or five hitter locked in you lengthen the lineup by one slot um that could be huge and again the cost isn't going to be crazy so that's one of the moves you can make without feeling like you're really mortgaging any part of the future um and it's yeah i mean like let's have some fun hit the crap out of the ball if you can't go get a starter that you need um or a starter who's a big upgrade then do the other thing and just score more runs right so there's multiple ways to improve a team. And just because you have one particular assessed need does not mean you need to go all in on that, just make the team better. And Atkins was kind of alluding to that. I, actually him and Shapiro, their most recent um, appearances, they've kind of been setting up the fan base for that very thing. Yep. They've been talking a lot about you know, assessing the market and seeing where the strength of it is and how that may not necessarily align with what their needs are and that, that way they just pivot. And so they've been setting up plans for that expectation. I think that's what we should expect is the type of acquisition that maybe doesn't make a ton of sense on the surface, but makes the team better.
0: Right. Cause like you said, so Atkins came on on Wednesday and he said, Jays are in a good spot to add. We're happy with the depth we have in our farm system. We're comfortable, you know, in a buying situation. And then he also said that starting pitching, starting pitching market feels sparse.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if he's coming out here and actively saying that, then it does kind of seem like this is a precursor to them making a move that's kind of random. Like you said, they're kind of they're kind of coaxing us all into being like, all right, our big deadline ad is not going to be Max Scherzer. It's not going to be a starting pitcher. It's going to be Nelson Cruz, or it's going to be a third baseman, or a shortstop, or a catcher, even like it's something completely random. Because ultimately, you just want to add players that make your team better. You want to upgrade where.
1: Something about the trade deadline that's interesting, and I think it works against the Jays, as much as people think this is a hyper-conservative front office, I think they would make a big move if there was one to be made. Um, and there just aren't sellers, right? There aren't, there aren't terrible teams who have decided they're going to tear down that have good players. Teams are either hellbent on being competitive next year or pretending to be competitive next year, or they're already far enough into a rebuild where the good players are gone. So as much as it feels like all of baseball is rebuilding – a lot of these teams are far enough into that process where the good players are on good teams now. And you know, some of these really fun moves like going after Chris Sale, like the Red Sox did, those guys just aren't available. The teams are not making those players available. So I think the Jays would do a crazy offer for a guy like Herman Marquez from the Rockies. They seem like they will what? not. Vlad? Yes, General, I think Vlad gets it done at this point. <laughs>
0: uh, For those who don't know, Brendan once suggested, how long ago was this? This is only like two years ago.
1: Oh, no, that was this past offseason.
0: Wait, that was this off, like after 2020?
1: So Okay, so here's my very quick rationale. So I'm looking at Vlad and like, he's a first baseman now and he's a bad-bodied first baseman. So I'm like, if you're getting like a 140 WRC plus from your first baseman who's bad-bodied, like, yeah, like that's worth the number two starting pitcher. I was not expecting Vlad to be the monster that he is. And uh, that's on me. That is oh, on no. me. Oh,
0: I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you, too, 100%. Like, I, I remember having text conversations this offseason talking about the Jays, and I was like, you know what? At this point, like, I'm pretty happy if Laddie becomes prime Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah. which that's, that's a win.
1: Like, prime Edwin and probably, like, worst-bodied Edwin would be worth giving up. For a number two starting pitcher, right? Like a like a bona fide number two, maybe ace capable guy. So that was my rationale. And Vladdy has become the best hitter on the planet. And uh, you know, thank goodness the Jays didn't make that move. Um, but yeah, I mean I in the offseason I would have considered it. Thank goodness uh they didn't, but I still want Marquez. I, that's the other side of this. I just I love this pitcher. I want to get him out of Colorado, desperately, but they that's will true. not trade.
0: And the Blue Jays once made a trade with the Colorado Rockies, and it worked out quite well for them. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki was far from perfect. He was not the Troy Tulowitzki we thought he was going to be, but he played a key role in getting to the playoffs twice. So every time the Blue Jays, in my mind, have made a trade with the Rockies, it's turned out quite well. So another thing to circle back to, if we're kind of talking about additions and pitchers and guys they can add. So they mentioned yesterday that Nate Pearson is now going to be pitching out of the bullpen. And that's kind of maybe, like it's not the same as like the Red Sox getting Chris Sale back from injury, but getting Nate Pearson in your bullpen down the stretch. It's almost like a trade deadline deal, right?
1: Well, this is your fault for the very first podcast you ever did. You spoke this into existence. You talked about your skepticism of, of Nate Pearson and how he's a bullpen guy. So this all all is on you. It's interesting. Like his season doesn't make sense to bring him back as a starter if he's not at the place yet where he's like able to start building up, he's just like building up as a starting pitcher takes like a month and you can't just waste a month and then have the minor league season end and then see if maybe he's a rotation option. So this is kind of something that Nate did to himself, not, not his fault, like injuries happen, but circumstances have kind of forced the Jays hand. I don't think this was some shocking decision for them to make. If Nate Pearson is at all valuable to your team this year, it is now, as a bullpen guy, even if he can build up to being a two or three inning bullpen guy, that's his role. We saw him in the playoffs last year against Tampa after getting after Ryu got shellacked and the game was over, but he came in and struck out five or six guys. Tampa couldn't touch him. He has the ability to be an elite, elite bullpen arm, and that could be huge for the team. Um, He also has the chance to be hurt. He also has the chance to be very wild with his stuff and not all that effective. But you look at him as a potential, like you said, quote-unquote deadline acquisition, somebody who comes in around that time and is able to be very effective out of the pen. Um, and elite stuff, man, like guys throwing 100, guys having a 92 slider, that's what you want out of the bullpen. That's how you get swings and misses and, and you know scared hitters. So, um, yeah, has potential to be something really big. I'm now worried about Nate Pearson as a starter long-term, though, because another year where he doesn't build up his innings. So if they choose to make him a starter next year, again, what's his inning count, right? Like, does he still max out at 120 or something like that? And then the next year, he's still not up to 200. Like, eventually that ship sails. And Alec Manoa's emergence in the rotation has probably made that a little easier to just decide that it's over. You're now a bullpen guy, and you're probably going to be an elite bullpen guy.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like here is, like I said at the beginning of the year, it kind of, it kind of seemed like maybe this guy will never become a starter maybe he'll just be a very good reliever in this year he's only pitched what like 25 innings all told 26 innings uh something like that last year he pitched 18 innings in the bigs obviously that doesn't count quite so much because it was COVID and there wasn't you know a full season whatever yeah. that's not his fault the year the before development's that,
1: the development is just not there he's not had a chance to string together a healthy no. season and uh again not not his fault right like injuries happen they suck but he's he was drafted years ago and he's not all twenty-five
0: it. now. Yeah.
1: Like he, he at a certain point you just kinda of have to look and be like, Okay, well, are we gonna just keep trying to do this thing or are we gonna make him put him where he can be valuable to the team now and in the future? So um, I'm usually the slow guy. Like I, I want I want to slow play this, but the injury the you know, multiple injuries this year have have kind of made the decision for the blue jays they they now need to look at him and how he can be valuable to the team opposed to how they can develop him as a starter only
0: yeah i mean like i had accepted this back in april to be totally honest with you like when he was hurt during yep. spring training i thought okay this guy's a reliever it is what it is i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't want to talk about it. i didn't want to piss people off but that's what i thought but i mean honestly like let's be real here this guy comes back in august and he's killer for the jays in like a Let's say, I don't know, what what role is he gonna be in? Maybe eighth inning guy, maybe he's the gap bridger between a mediocre start and the back end of the bullpen. Maybe he's pitching two innings, like whatever it is. Like he comes in, he's throwing, getting out four or five guys, striking guys out, and he's unreal. And he's unreal in that role. It's gonna be hard to accept starting yeah. him next year, maybe in triple A. Like, Nobody won. It would just be, you know, it would just be, it would be ugly. It'd be hard to wrap your that's, head around, right?
1: That's part of being a contending team too, right? Like if Nate yeah. Pearson was going the Pirates right now, they would have really no reason not to slow play it and try and develop him as a starter. Um, but you look at like Garrett Crochet out of, uh, on the White Sox. He was just drafted last year. He's a lefty, He throws a hundred out of the pen. They're an elite team. So they, they had called him up last year as a bullpen arm. Like his draft year, he gets called up because he could help the team right now. And then this year they looked at it and be like, you're just too valuable as this bullpen guy, so we're going to keep you in there. And same thing with the Jays. You you have less patience for guys when you are a good team. Patience helps when you look at guys like Teoscar and and Gurriel. Although I mean, you know, he's he's up and down. But like patience helps when you can slow play these guys who are streaky or working through developmental stuff. And then eventually you see the fruits of that. But at a certain point, teams become good and they need to compete and they can't be patient.
0: All right. So one more random prospect thing that I put in my notes specifically for you, because I think you've tweeted his name a hundred times in the past three days. It's Relvis Martinez, who has quickly, randomly kind of not really out of the blue. I mean, if if you pay close attention to Blue Jays prospects, you know who this guy is. But recently, kind of uh, earlier on in the season, it was Gabe Moreno, who was the guy. He was hitting everything, double A, he's a catcher, it's insane, putting up Vladdy-esque numbers from behind the plate. That's wild. Now Gabe Moreno's injured, Naralbus Martinez has become the guy down in Dunedin. Let us know what's going on here and why this is significant and why it's significant.
1: So, yeah, like you said, not necessarily out of nowhere or Martinez in 2018 was the Blue Jays top international free agent. And he actually signed for more money than anybody in that class. I think he signed for like four and a half million. So this was like big bonus baby international free agent guy. But then, you don't hear from him for a couple of years, right? So because then he's 16 that year and then we've got COVID year. So, you know, it's somebody, the org feels highly up, but we don't get to see as much the last eight games. He's hit nine home runs,
0: four doubles,
1: <laughs> 13 extra base hits in nine in eight games, sorry. Um, four singles, five walks. He's batting 472. He cannot stop hitting bombs. He, last week, he had two different streaks of three straight home runs. In plate appearances, three straight times he went up to bat, he hit a home run, and then he did it again like three days later. He is on an insane streak, and he is putting up – I, not definitively the top numbers, but like he's in the top three 19 year olds in the minor leagues as far as offensive production. This guy very well could be like number two, number three prospect for the Jays um, as far as what they view him or how they view him internally. Um, just a monster prospect, and he probably deserves a promotion to Vancouver uh, at some point here soon. You're
0: just saying, saying that, because, that you because you want, to watch, you want to watch him.
1: No, Vancouver's not here. No, that makes me sad because oh, okay, I'm right. in Vancouver. And the Canadians are down in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon. So I would have the opportunity to see him and know that does not exist to me. And it's soul crushing because we finally get advanced A ball out here. So we like the caliber of baseball has increased significantly in Vancouver but we haven't seen it yet cuz that change was just made in the off season and the team is down in Oregon um, and it's funny like they broadcast the games on local radio here and i'm just like do people really care cuz you don't get to watch them do you listen right to like there's they're they're broadcasting these you know Hillsboro Oregon Canadians games and like there's no connection to the team cuz nobody here gets to actually see them so i'm i'm shocked that they carry the broadcasts on the radio but uh, but yeah i it likely next year he's up to double a and i completely missed the boat on seeing him so that would be a bummer but yeah superstar prospect i there's probably a good chance he's untradeable um and as big a name as austin martin and jordan groschen's are um there's a pretty real possibility that internally for the jays they see uh, gabriel marino and uh Elvis martinez as their top two prospects i would not be surprised if that was the case baseball america um had mentioned that uh, internally a lot of the Blue Jays front office see Gabe Moreno as the top prospect in the organization. So yeah, what you see on some of these public lists, not necessarily the way the team views the players and these, both those guys just superstar prospects.
0: Interesting, interesting Interesting. stuff. It's uh, it's exciting times for a Jays fan. I mean, you know, we got the trade deadline coming up we might see the team pull the trigger on a big move we've never really seen we haven't really seen this front office make like an extreme move and they've got mm-hmm. a lot of bullets to do so i mean i don't i don't personally really expect to see like a, a deal involving like a martin or a Groschans or even a pierce or anybody like that but you never know anyways the you know what, that's
1: the thing i think if the right guy was there they would and i think this market lacks the right guy so like austin martin he's out the door for uh like a marquez type or somebody who's controllable starting pitching like that uh not barrios because he's a year and a half right but like maybe luis castillo from the reds like i think they'd be open to that um and and they'd want to make the blockbuster and i just i hate that the market lacks those guys i would love if there was just some surprise right like cleveland all of a sudden is like yeah we're tearing down we're not gonna jose ramirez shane bieber Jose Ramirez, these guys are on the market. Like, that would be amazing. Um, And I just, I I don't see it happening. So, I hope, I would love to be surprised. A shocking, stunning deadline would be an absolute blast. I will be in Toronto for the deadline, which three hours later is the first home game in two years. So, it's a chaotic baseball day. Um, And that could be a lot of fun if the Jays made some, you know, shocking move. I just, I don't see it in this market, unfortunately. This is
0: true. We are both going to be at that game on the 30th. And I predicted in our last podcast that... The uh, starting pitcher for the Blue Jays on the 30th of July against Kansas City was going to be Max
1: Scherzer. I <laughs> made that you're prediction. I'm going to be wrong. wrong. It's not going to happen. That would, that would be the dream. Max Scherzer has uh, no trade clause.
0: He has 10-5 rights. So he can. and Let's do it. So Scott Boris said, i don't know this this must have been well over a month ago Scott Boris said max scherzer 10 5 rights 10 years in the league five years in a team he can veto any trade he would only go somewhere if they had an extension for him so that dream's cool but it's probably not going to happen love to see the blue jays make a big splash and do something cool right before we're all there on the 30th that's going to be a blast but before we get there we have to play the new york mets and we are going to do the up next segment with our newest sponsor. We have two now. It's a whole new thing for me. So, not only does Tyler make me read one ad read, I have to do two. And what it says is up next is brought to you by DoorDash. Promo code DD gets first time users of DoorDash 25% off and no delivery fees. So, if you want to go ahead and order yourself something right now, 25% off. BJNPODDD. Or do you sell some good old food? Nice. You know, whatever. But
1: DoorDash, hey man, I use it all the time here. There you go. Yeah, big DoorDash guy.
0: Perfect. This is the perfect ad read they were looking for. Uh, so, next up, we got the Mets and kind of unfortunate. I mean, the, the fortunate thing is, so we're missing two key starters. Jacob DeGrom, the Blue Jays will not see, which is great. Kind of great, I think, because as good as he is, the Mets never win when they play up, when, when he starts. So, I don't know, that's kind of kind of a catch-22.
1: Happy to be missing DeGrom.
0: Yeah, you should be happy to miss DeGrom. That's a normal thing to feel. We're also missing Marcus Stroman. I thought Stroman facing the Jays would be fun. Yeah,
1: be. Yeah, that would have been a, yeah, that would have been a lot of fun to see. Um, and, and I'm sure he would have been up for it. I bet he, he's disappointed with how the rotation is going. But yeah, I mean, these are positives for the Jays, right? They're not bringing a rotation to the table. Um, When you think of the Mets, you think of an elite rotation. And, uh, you know, Taiwan Walker having a good year, those last start was a blow up. Um, But other than that, they're starting someone named McGill. I'm just gonna pretend I'm pronouncing that correctly, who's had a nice little run here, but he's kind of a non-ish prospect, um, not all that important. And their starter for Sunday is unknown, because they just DFA'd Jared Eikoff, another name I'm going to pretend to pronounce correctly. Um, he was just DFA'd because his last start was awful, and that's his rotation spot. So, um, you know, you might just be getting a random call up or a bullpen game on Sunday. Taiwan Walker, who struggled last time on Saturday, and then Miguel, uh, Miguel, something like that on Friday. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to take two or three, man. Like, you it's do. just time to start winning. Um, and I'm usually not time to start winning guy because just baseball season's a grind and you have your ups and downs. But unfortunately, the Jays have just given away enough games where you need to have that run and you need to not have those heartbreaking losses and you need to win those one run games, those two run games. So um, good time to get a streak going. You get the Mets when they're you know a little beat up, a little injured. Um, and then you roll into another Red Sox series, which is important. And then you've got the homestand, which like, hopefully is just an electric atmosphere and something that propels the team. Um, but you want to go into that homestand hot as well. So a big opportunity here, um, time, time to start putting some W's on the board.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, you summed it up there perfectly. Like they just dropped two to the Red Sox and these were two games. You really wanted to win. Now here they are going against the Mets. Mets are pretty good, but they're not at their best right now. No Stroman, no DeGrom. Can't complain. Taiwan Walker is the best pitcher you're going to see. And I mean, he's far from perfect. I yep. mean, he's good. That'll be, a, that'll be a fun one. Blue Jays yep. legend, Taiwan Walker. But um, yeah, we'll see. Steve Matz is going to start on the Friday. They're giving Hyunjin Ryu a little bit of extra rest. So he's on the Saturday. And then Ross Tripling's coming out on the Sunday. Hopefully he rebounds. Then after that, it's off to Boston for a four game set, which is honestly maybe a season defining series for the team.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You got to win at least two there as far as hanging with the wild card and go in three or go in four if, you know, if you're going to be taking a a run at the uh, division, right? So, I mean, the division, again, like we talked about earlier, doesn't feel good. They're eight back. That is a really tough um, gap to close, but I mean, chip away, right? Like go win a series three one and, and then see what happens from there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, going into this homestand hot or at least playing decent ball. Feels pretty imperfect. Feels pretty important, sorry. Would be really nice to do. And uh, yeah, man, excited for the Jays to return. Really, really cool moment that'll be. and really happy. Well, uh, I'll be there. and Happy happy you get to see that too.
0: Oh, it's going to be incredible. Let's just hope that the team doesn't
1: go ahead and go on like a one in six
0: stretch.
1: They're sellers. <laughs> they sell on the 30th. They start <laughs> trade Robbie <Rocky laughs> Ray. <laughs> minutes before the home opener
0: (laughs) we're we're all there waiting outside of rogers center and everyone checks their phone ray semi and everyone's getting treated (laughs) imagine oh that would suck but no that's probably not going to happen i'm sure i'm reasonably confident they'll take two or three from the mets and then they'll split with the red Sox. hopefully have a nice little stretch and then as soon as they come home they're going to go nuclear they're going to go on fire they're going to ride the momentum of being back in toronto and getting the hometown fans cheering for them for the first time in two years all right, so that was a we talked about a lot of stuff. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else that I missed? Anything else yeah, going on? Yeah, more
1: TJ Zoic, please. Let's let's yeah, you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you want to do like a little bit more in-depth analysis about TJ Zoic. Look at his like I am good. I am go, good. That was, <laughs> that was way
1: that
0: was that was way too much TJ Zoic for one podcast. <laughs> Anyways, BK, thank you so much for coming on as always um always a pleasure to have you on. You know what you're talking about. I largely don't, but Nice to have someone that knows what they're talking about for once. Me and Tyler are usually a bit of a mess, but I think this was pretty good. We talked about a lot of stuff, so hopefully that was fun. Yes, sir. Anyway, I will uh, I will see you on the 30th. Let's hope That's the great. Blue Jays are, I don't know, 14 games over 500 by then or something. They've gone on a seven-game winning streak. Let's hope. Let's yes, hope. please. All right. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jay's Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts, and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your
1: podcast from to never miss an episode. Normally being a little
0: extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra.